you pray with me before we start to study God's Word together? And as always, we do this because it's a miracle uh, that takes place when we hear His Word and we hear His voice in it and we're able to respond. So let's ask God for that miracle together this morning. Father, I pray that you would help me to speak your word very clearly, not get in the way or distract from it. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate and that we'd hear your voice and not mine. And we wouldn't just see plain words on the page, but that we would hear your voice speaking to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I already told Mark this this morning as we were making coffee. I, I thought I was ready for this morning. I, uh, I did my usual, my usual routine. Uh, Monday is when I start my sermon prep. And I study and I, I figure out, usually I move through a book so I don't have to figure out what passage. I just go to what's next. But I figured out what passage I wanted to preach from for communion and the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Matthew 26 seemed right. And I studied it and prayed over it. The outline seemed to come together, what it's saying, and how to convey it to you. And I even worked it in Albemarle at my house out there yesterday, which is usually great. Because that gives me all day just by myself. I can just sort of meditate on it and make sure I've got it. And went to bed last night feeling good about it. And woke up this morning, my first thoughts were, I can't preach that passage like that. That's not what that text is saying. Uh, basically, I was trying to make this text like this awesome Thanksgiving plus communion bonanza sermon. And I woke up this morning and it was just crystal clear to me, wait a second, that's not what that text is saying. You can't just, you can't manipulate text of scripture to say what you want it to. You have to just throw it out there. So this morning I was a bit panicked. And, and I was thinking, man, I was coming up with uh, radical alternatives. Not really radical. It's going to be basically we pray together for a long time. Instead of preaching, but I mean, we are going to pray together. But um, it occurred to me that I remember something Paul said in First Corinthians. He wrote to that church and he said, "Remember when I came to you, I didn't come with really persuasive words and great wisdom. He came with just a simple message about Jesus. And instead, what the people got was a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit." So when they were affected by God's word, they couldn't say, wow, that Paul was great. Instead, they could say, man, that Holy Spirit did a major work here. So I'm just going to read this passage to you, and I'm going to share three very simple blessings that, that we can receive from this passage. And I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to do what he will with it. So uh, it, it won't be a fireworks display of clever preaching here this morning. It never is. So let's just read God's Word together and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you would, to honor the reading of God's Word, if you're able, please stand together as we read from Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, meaning the disciples and Jesus, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. 
But I say to you, I will not drink of this. I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And we're so grateful that we have God's word. Uh, thank you for staying. You may be seated. So I just have three simple <laughs> blessings, things to be thankful for from this passage. Uh, first, Jesus comes to us. Jesus delivers us. And Jesus loves us. Jesus comes to us, he delivers us, and he loves us. Those are my, my big three points here. You know, the, the Jews, and if you read the Old Testament, their experience with God was different from ours. Like when you think about experiencing God, what first comes to your mind? It's probably something similar to this, this morning, isn't it? Coming... You're sitting in, in a relatively comfortable sanctuary with relatively agreeable people around you and, and hearing you know, a message preached, singing some songs. It's fairly pleasant. It's a kind of mild, maybe, pleasant part of your life. Now, for the Old Testament Jews, especially if you read back like in Exodus, God was this fearsome, scary, terrifying presence. When Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, the, other, the people couldn't even touch the mountain for fear they would just die. It's different. Now I'm trying to get you to put yourself in that mindset. God, big, fearsome, somewhat terrifying, created everything. And then look back at verse 26 and see what's going on. While they were eating, Jesus, God in the flesh, he just took some bread and gave a blessing and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. God, eating with them. Who are you going to eat lunch with today? Who's the most impressive person at the table you're going to eat lunch with today? Now imagine God comes walking through the door and sits down to eat lunch with you and breaks some bread and hands it to you. Very simply, it's a huge deal that these people are sitting there eating a meal with Jesus, God in the flesh. Because God didn't stand up there in heaven and say, alright, I'm holy, I'm awesome, I'm powerful. If you guys want to get to me, you're going to have to figure out a way to become holy, awesome, and powerful and get up here with me. He didn't say that. He came all the way down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's just amazing. And like I was telling the guys in Sunday school, I can't make you feel how amazing that is. Some of you have been in church a long time, and you're like, no, I know that. And it doesn't affect you. You know, and I understand that. You've heard it a lot. So I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would light some kind of bulb in your heart to remember how amazing it is that God came down to us in the form of Jesus Christ. So where are you this morning as we're here, we're going to do communion? Where are you in your life? What, what's on your mind? Some of you have something on your mind right now. You're not even hearing me because you're thinking about this thing. Something you're dreading. Something you're hurting because of. Some big decision you've got to make. Something that's just stressing you out. What is it? Some of you are probably going crazy when you think you're hearing like bells ringing. 
big, he's powerful, he loves you, he's awesome, but yeah, but I'm over here dealing with this situation. I'll have to work this out before I can step back out where God can be involved. But that's not our God. He comes to us all the way down to a fetus in a small town, the teenage girl is a mom, grows up like us, eats a meal with people. He comes down to us. Jesus comes to us. So, I'm going to sing a Nicole Norderman song to you now. Anybody know Nicole Norderman? She's a contemporary Christian. I'm not usually a big fan of contemporary Christian music, uh, but she's really good. I'm not really going to sing. I'm just trying to get that adrenaline rush of terror. This is a song that she wrote. It's called Hold On. Now, I don't know the whole history of this song, but in the notes in the CD where the lyrics are, it says... For Meredith and all that I wish I had said. So there was somebody in her life named Meredith that Nicole Norton had regrets about not saying some of these things. She wrote this song. So I'm going to read the lyrics to you. It will find you at the bottom of the bottle. It will find you at the needle's end. It will find you when you beg and steal and borrow. It will find you into a stranger's bed. It will find you when they serve you with the papers. It will find you when the locks have changed again. It will find you when you've called in all your favors. It will meet you at the bridge's highest ledge. So baby, don't look down. It's a long way. The sun will come around to a new day. So hold on. Love will find you. Hold on. He's right behind you now. Just turn around and love will find you. It will find you when the doctor's head is shaking. It will find you in a boardroom, mostly dead. It will crawl into the foxhole where you're praying. It will curl up in your half empty bed. So maybe don't believe that it's over. Maybe you can see around the corner. Maybe you can't see around the corner. To hang between two thieves in the darkness, love must believe you're worth it. It will find you. He, will come, he comes to us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus delivers us. So, this meal that they're eating is an annual, is a tradition that the Jews held called Passover. They all gathered. It was like Thanksgiving traffic. They all came together and they gathered to eat this meal, Passover. The point of this meal was to remember something awesome God had did in the past. Remember the Exodus... God delivered them from slavery uh, in Egypt. That's what this meal was for them, was to remember. Remember, God is faithful. Remember, God delivered you from slavery to Egypt. Now, the remarkable thing that Jesus does here during this meal is he changes the symbolism of the food. And he says, this bread, that usually reminds us of what happened at the Passover, when, uh, when God passed over, he didn't kill the Israelite boys. You guys remember this from watching the Ten Commandments? This, this meal that reminds us of the Passover when the last plague hit and, and we evacuated Egypt and we were delivered. This bread now represents my body broken for you. And this drink now represents my blood spilled for you. This wine. I'm just drink. Probably have alcohol. It says, take, eat, this is my body. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. We need these traditions so we don't forget things. 
can imagine as the generations rolled by, you know, God had done this amazing thing, and the people who were alive during that told their kids all about it and how amazing God is. And those kids sort of told their kids about it, but it was kind of secondhand. They weren't there. And then those kids maybe didn't even remember to mention it at all to their kids. You know how things just forget, unless you set up regular, traditional reminders like wedding anniversaries. So we remember, oh, I'm married to this person. Lest you forget. Birthdays. So you remember, hey, I was born. What a blessing that was. <laughs> I don't know what you're celebrating. So, here we are at communion today, which is our regular reminder that God delivered us. But what did he deliver us from? This is my point here. You know, the Israelites had this very clear, tangible thing. God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Okay? So Jesus changes the symbolism, and now we, we recognize this rem reminder. But what did he deliver us from? What did Jesus deliver us from? Now, I think most of you know the answer in here. But I wonder what you think in here that Jesus is supposed to be delivering us from. This table isn't about Jesus delivering us from painful circumstances. I just want to lay that out there. Look at Jesus' circumstances as he's having this meal. Right before it, if you read, right before that, he says to his guys, I know one of you is going to betray me. And sure enough, Judas steps out and he's, he's laying the groundwork for Jesus to be abducted and beaten and tortured and killed. You know, Jesus loved Judas. I mean, Jesus had to endure someone he loved, betraying him, and later killing himself. And then right after this passage, he says to his disciples, you know, I know you're all going to, you're just going to scatter. You're, you're all going to turn your backs on me. What I'm saying is that there is a lot of pain associated with this life and surrounding this passage of Scripture. And I know surrounding many of you as you come to the communion table today. And that's okay. But we need to remember what God did deliver us from that we remember with this communion table. He delivered us from slavery to sin. He delivered Israel from slavery to Egypt. He delivers us from slavery to sin. In Romans it says, before you became Christians, you were slaves to sin. And you're set free from that. The way I explain it to the youth is that you need Jesus to set you free from the, the grip, the guilt, and the filth of sin. Sin has a grip on people. And if you don't believe me, let me a little pop quiz. You can actually answer out loud. What is the number one thing God told us to do? The, the great commandment. Yeah. Love God with everything. What's the second greatest commandment? Yeah, okay. Love God with everything, your mind, your heart, your strength, your everything. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. That is impossible. Because sin has a grip on us. People out in the world, they cannot just love God. They cannot just love people. But that's what we're designed to do. But because sin has a grip on us, we can't. But Jesus delivers us from that. Releases sin's grip. And from the guilt, I don't have time to take you through the little quiz there, but 
You know, I think you know. Sin makes us guilty before God, and sin makes us filthy before God. We're like people covered in, in dirt and grime trying to come into God's newly white carpeted heaven. We have to be cleansed first, and Jesus delivers us from that. He cleanses us. So Jesus comes to us, Jesus delivers us, and number three, very simply, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us. He loves you. God didn't come all the way down in the form of Jesus and sit around that table and say, boy, you disciples need to pull it together. One of you is about to go betray me. One of, all of you are going to turn your backs on me. What is wrong with you? Pull it together. How do you expect to get to heaven when you're acting like this? That's not what he said. He said, hey, eat this bread. You'll understand what this means later. This is my life. I'm giving it up for you. You people who are about to turn your backs on me, I'm giving it up for you. Hey, drink this cup. You don't understand what I mean now, but you'll understand after the events of the next week that I'm pouring out my blood for you. Jesus comes to us, he delivers us, and he loves us. And this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I don't know if you all feel like you have a lot to be thankful for. I know a lot of the circumstances of a lot of your lives, but I don't know everything that goes on. But here, this Sunday, I just want to remind you of these three reasons that we can be thankful. And I just want to pray for you now as we prepare to observe communion. Let's pray. Father, in a moment, we are going to pass around little tiny cubes of bread and a little tiny cup of juice. And Lord, my prayer is that you would work in our minds and our hearts as such that these symbols would contain the full weight of their meaning in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As we observe this, I pray that you would be searching our hearts, reveal the sins in there, sin that we don't even realize. Reveal the self-worship in our hearts, the selfishness in our hearts, so that we can repent, so that we can be humbled, so that we can partake of this genuinely. Let no one in here partake of it in the wrong spirit. So Lord, as I say amen, I recognize that the prayer really is open-ended throughout this whole, this whole observance. And I pray that you would be dealing with our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.